the dollar crypto up 44 percent year to date uranium rare earths the markets don't care about coronavirus and i'm going to tell you why i'll give you a hint the white house is considering a tax incentive for more americans to buy stocks you can't make this stuff up we're going to talk roger stone and the department of quote unquote justice Trump versus Bloomberg explorers are exploring. There is a battery shortage for electric vehicles. A lot going on. We hope everyone had a great Valentine's Day. I am Gerardo Del Real along with my co-host, Mr. Nick Hodge. This is episode 57 of Bizarro World. Nick, how are you, sir? I'm well, and I hope Cupid's arrow has struck you thoroughly, Gerardo. How's it going? I, I, it's, it's, it's ingrained in me and it has been for the past 18 years. Things are fantastic. The kids are healthy. The wife still loves me. Have a lovely dinner to look forward to this evening. As you all know, we record on Friday. It is Valentine's day. By the time you listen to this, it would have passed. So I hope you all had a great day, whether you have a significant other or not. Um, let's get right into it. Gold is looking pretty healthy. Closed at 1582 today. This, despite the dollar flirting with triple digits again, the dollar index, it closed around the 99 mark. The last time that I checked, um, I'm a broken record. I know I am, but I've said that the gold bull market's going to require uh, that it holds hands with the dollar and it kind of goes up together. And it's done that alongside the major U.S. indices, which apparently, you know, coronavirus, people dying, um, China's GDP falling off a cliff. Um, the Eurozone had its, its its lowest output in nearly seven years. Despite all of that, um, we're headed to 30,000 on the Dow. So lots to digest there. I'd love to hear your opinion on gold first, Mr. Hodge. Oh, goodness. There's all kinds of stuff to discuss there, and I'm sure we'll unpack it. Uh, it had a strong close to end January and then sort of began what I would consult what I would call consolidation. It's just been around, you know, 1560 to, to 1570 today, uh, late, late last week, it would be when you listen to this, it has shown strength, like you say, 1582. And it's very healthy is the right word you use because um, it's not getting ahead of itself, which is actually mm. good to see, right? Even when we've had a bit of, you know, flashes with the uh, Iran thing and, and a couple of other things, it has, um, not gotten ahead of itself and it has pulled back and it is consolidated and it's 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 showing a healthy chart pattern. I think we need to get above um, 1600 to really start seeing some blue sky. But um, at 1582, look, I've been saying we need to enjoy this price and we're starting to enjoy this price, even from a, a very big level like, I don't know, um, Agnico Eagle reported earnings last night and turned to a profit. Um, from a loss and, you know, cash flows are starting to come back. So, you know, when you make a widget for X and you sell it for Y and Y starts to go up and X stays the same, you make a lot more money, right? And now we're starting to see that. And hopefully that can be um, one catalyst that starts to take um, these smaller stocks higher because investors start to take note that the um, sector is once again um, buoyant and and doing well. Um, and select producers, we know, uh, are doing well. But nonetheless, the GDX and the GDXJ has has yet to break out, which has sort of been a head scratcher for certainly me. And I know a lot of people that I read and and talk to. So, I mean, I guess those would be my thoughts about 
about gold, I'm sure we can talk more about the the market and coronavirus and the Fed and Dow 30,000. So what are your thoughts? Yeah, you know, my thoughts are this. I'm seeing companies like Allianza Minerals announce a financing for $250,000. And days later, that financing is increased to a million dollars. Um, and, and I'm not speaking specifically about Allianza here, but, you know, these smaller companies with sub $5 million market caps that have a lot of exploration ahead of them. Um, I remember months ago getting phone calls. They couldn't raise the $250,000, let alone the million, right? And so I think we're finally starting to see a willingness from speculators in the space, not named Eric Sprott, to start writing checks. Um, I'm seeing more private placements. Um, I'm seeing higher dollar private placements. And I'm seeing private placements and financings that are announced at one price, and then all of a sudden, you know, we, we, we get a higher price or we get a larger dollar amount. You obviously have your finger on the pulse of the deal flow that goes on in the sector because you have and you, you manage and you write what I believe is the best private placement newsletter for accredited investors. Nick's notebook. Are you seeing a similar pattern? Well, I'm in the Alianza deal that you just mentioned. And so. Yeah, I've been talking to to Mark Brown and I've witnessed the, exactly that. I'm also um, in the Millrock deal that just closed. I believe today I saw the announcement that they closed that placement, which was um, upsized, right, from a million to 1.4 or something like that. I hope I'm not making those uh, numbers up. And then even really small companies, right? And if you want to, if you if you really want to put a book note on it, like uh, at the beginning of this year, we had an episode where we. Um, gave out awards and some of those were not so mm. good awards. And one of the questions <laughs> you asked me was, you know, what was one of the most disappointing or frustrating stocks? And I think one of the names I told you about was Fremont Gold. Yes. Um, and so Fremont, um, if memory serves, I think was at 15 or 20 cents, went all the way down to five cents. And now is, do, is closing oversubscribed placements, right? And so that's exactly what um, you're talking about, um, spanning the, the gamut of the, of, the, of the junior mining space, right? I'll give you another example of a company you named as one of the most disappointing ones and one that you you had a, a sizable and I know have a sizable position in a company we both just wrote checks for. Hand and Metals was another name, if I recall correctly, that that you mentioned. You know, there, there there was a pivot from zinc to copper at the time. I think there were questions about whether or not that was, you know, something that you wanted to continue to participate in. And now, of course, the story's evolved. The geologist, well-known ones um, behind the scenes and 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 some more public. Um, love the land position. The Michael Hudson should be credited for the first mover um, action that he took to keep Hannon going. And now they just raised $2 million at 15 cents. The stock's trading at 22 cents Canadian as we speak. And there's a lot of people that believe that, you know, they're, they're on the verge of, um, you know, potentially a brand new copper gold camp um, with, with this land package, massive land package. So I think it's an indication of where we are headed um, assuming, of course, that the gold price holds up and, and continues its healthy posture. And even companies like Hannon, which, you know, are looking for copper and gold, greatly benefit from gold leading the way. As Brian London likes to say, if there's not a bull market in gold, it's very, very doubtful there's going to be bull markets in other, um, you know, metals. And, and, and it's true. It doesn't mean that there aren't exceptions. But for the most part, gold leads the way. So I think it's good. I think it's healthy. I think that um, seeing speculative capital come back in the sector, despite a very, very robust Bitcoin price. And we'll talk about that in just a bit. Um, all things look good. The Dow's higher, the dollar's higher, Bitcoin's higher. 
Um, the juniors are starting to move up. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting. Any thoughts on cryptos? I'll be on Mr. London's podcast. We're recording Monday morning. And so I'll report back on what we talked about on his podcast, on this podcast. And that can be a super, <laughs> a super meta podcast. It's an orgy of podcast, Nick. <laughs> you up is for it? What, is that what you call? Is this like, it's an orgy that, of It's a podcast orgy. That's what you call a group of podcasts? <laughs> an orgy? That's funny. Um, uh, stay in the middle as my grandfather used to say when you get in a fight you're a little guy you don't want to be the first guy up because you're going to get most of the hits but you also don't want to be a lame way in the back not swinging at anybody so that's that that's my advice to you mr hodge stay in the middle i like it um you asked me about bitcoin <laughs> but i i had some thoughts about the market first um this market is crazy and and you called it you know brilliantly saying that the gold price and gold stocks were going to go up with the market and um, clearly the Fed is in control. You know, we've sort of alluded to it that coronavirus didn't take down the market and you opened up by saying that, you know, Dow was going to 30,000. And I mean, the Fed has been injecting $40 billion a night into the, the overnight repurchase agreements, right? And so um, that's what's driving the thing here. And not only that, there's a couple of other things, right? Um, that I'm not sure we've talked about on this podcast. Maybe we have. I'm not sure. But this zero trade thing, I think, is also another thing that um, is allowing a lot of people into the market that, um, you know, wouldn't have been in there before. You know, if you got to pay seven, eight, ten, twenty dollars for a trade, um, you know, you're not going to be in there trading as mm. often. Right. And now if you can all these people at zero trades. Right. Um, hmm. You can just go in there and have fun, right? Buy stock, sell stock. I've even noticed myself doing it a bit more recently. And so I've seen things like, um, you know, on Twitter and CNBC, like that guy, the reform broker guy, he's wearing a t-shirt that says invested now, right? Like, um, like he's in the market. You got to tell everybody you're in the market. And I, he was talking about some college girl that posted a video on TikTok. I, I've never been on TikTok, but shows how much I know about today's kids and things. But anyway, me neither, the, me neither. The, the girl, it was, it was a college girl posting videos between classes of how she was trading stocks between classes, right? Like um, that's 1999 stuff. I'm pretty sure that's like 2007 stuff. But nonetheless, um, this is some of the stuff that I think is propelling the market higher. And uh, you asked about Bitcoin, and that's sort of where I'm going. I had said for a while, one of the things that allows Bitcoin to go up is you can buy fractional shares. You can't buy fractional shares of stock. So it's not like you can go in there and buy a, uh, a quarter a share of Amazon or a quarter a share of Tesla because, you know, kids, college kids can't afford one share of Amazon. You know what I'm sure. saying? And so um, that was one of the things that allowed Bitcoin to go up. It's one of the things that are, that's allowing the, the broader markets to to go up now. And then um it's no it's no coincidence that i'll tie it back to the fed as well the fed comes back into the market you know for the first time really since 2008 um with the repurchase agreement spiking to like 250 billion i think was the number 255 billion and then pulling back to something like 160 billion when i checked yesterday um and so here's bitcoin right acting as a, a typical a safe haven something that can't be um, inflated something that that well theoretically at least right um, an alternative currency something that's come to be viewed as an alternative and a safe haven starts to go up right it's um, not rocket science to me I mean those would be my thoughts right agreed agreed we have to talk about or I have to talk about um, 
this president identifies economic success with a higher stock market, right? We we've seen that. Um, you know, if you've read half of his tweets, you know that a a a, a higher Dow and and higher major U.S. indices um, to to Mr. Trump and the administration equals success. Whether or not that's true or not, that's a debate for another day. But they clearly identify and want to be closely aligned with the stock market. Um, so we get breaking news today that the White House is now considering ways to incentivize U.S. households to invest in the stock market. So as if the Fed's liquidity wasn't enough, as if, you know, nearly 5,000 years, right, zero commissions, um, you know, historically low interest rates, negative interest rates in parts of the world. If all of this wasn't enough to juice up the stock market, we are now getting news that the White House is considering ways to get U.S. households to invest in the stock market. I've said for years, um, you know, privately, publicly on this podcast for the past year or so, that if you are a saver, um, the, 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 the U.S. politicians don't care about you. They, they, they just don't. You have to be an investor, right? And I think this just kind of proves that. And the reason I say that is this. While they're simultaneously, the White House is considering the tax incentive to get Americans to buy stocks while releasing a budget for 2021 that includes $750 billion in Medicare cuts, $76 billion out of Social Security disability benefits. It's hard for me to reconcile those two things unless I look at it, you know, not from an emotional standpoint, just logically. And, and logic tells me, if, if you're older and you're saving and you come from that generation that, you know, worked 40 to 60 hours a week and provided in a, a, a household where there was just one job and you're still stuck to that, man, you're fucked. For the most part, if you're not rich, you're fucked because this economy, this Fed, this, this presidency, um, it, it, it isn't for you. It's not speaking to you. And so it's just the timing of all this to me, both of these things happening at the same time is interesting. On the one hand, we're going to take social security disability benefits from people that need it. And we're going to consider ways to take that money um, and give households that invest in the stock market, um, you know, income on a tax-free basis. You could invest the, the, the proposal that's floating out there is a household that earns up to $200,000 could invest 10,000 of that income on a tax-free basis. And so, you know, the, the, this isn't official yet. The administration has said they haven't ruled anything out. They haven't ruled any, anything in, but all options are on the table. But again, if you've never invested in a stock, if you've never looked at, you know, whether it's gold or juniors or majors or, you know, any, any, any part of the stock market in the U.S., I highly encourage everyone to, to do so and speak to somebody that's knowledgeable. And if you're young and you're listening to this podcast, um, I, I strongly encourage you to get educated a bit more about, you know, investing capital and speculating with capital because you have to put that money to work somehow. Um, cause that's, that's, that's the now and that's the future. And, and the people that are stuck in the past, you know, this economy isn't for you. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to say it, but anyway, that's my rant on that. Any thoughts on that, Nick? Well, no, that's how it goes. You have to learn the system and you have to adapt and change it and thrive. That's sort of a uh, part of capitalism, right? Um, and that's just me being, I guess, agnostic to the politics. It, it, 
it certainly sucks some of the the cuts that were proposed and and I was going to mention the wall I was going to make a joke but it's not really a joke <laughs> when you're you know taking money from <laughs> defense families and, and other budgets to to fund a wall that doesn't make uh, uh, a whole lot of sense and then and then further um, you know those we know people don't own stocks I mean what is it like the the upper 10% and I don't even know what the number is anymore, 50 or 80% of stocks. And so that helps, that just further exacerbates the, the inequality that we know exists. And then if you really want me just to tie it into one, one big knot, you have people thinking that, um, you know, they're richer than they are, right? That's always been the case with some of the low income Republicans thinking that um, they're richer than they are, that the Republicans uh, fiscal policies truly help them when they when they certainly don't. And so um, there's just a little bit of nastiness all around. But as you say, if you can figure out the system and uh, put it to work for you, there is definitely money to be made. Agreed. It's always interesting to me how when Bernie Sanders says we should forgive, you know, outstanding college debt. Right. And I don't I'm not saying I agree or disagree. It's just interesting. It's an observation. Everybody screams socialist. He's trying to turn us into Russia. But when we give farmers, you know, in the, in the Midwest, you know, bailouts of, of, of you know, triple digits, billions, hundreds of billions, um, or, or we propose giving a tax break um, to 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 families and, and, and people that want to invest in the stock market while cutting well, sure. benefits, right? It's, it's then there, there is not a peep. There's no, there's no controversy there. There's nobody yelling socialism. Uh, how is nobody... that different than like Yang's universal basic income? Right? Exactly. How is, that, how is that different than just putting money in people's pocket? And you know what else they propose that I'm not sure they thought through all the way and they quickly walked it back is um, last week, I think it was Bill Barr talking about um, Huawei and the, and the 5G stuff in China and how, um, we didn't want to use them. And so the U.S. could just like buy Nokia or Ericsson or something so they could um, have their own like 5G arm. And it's like, really, you need to like run against Bernie Sanders on like an anti-socialism platform when you're talking about nationalizing telecom companies. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? Let's talk about Bill Barr. I, I, I led by saying that the quote unquote Justice Department is how I described it. Right. Um, was in the news and boy, <laughs> is it a fucking shit show. Um, the justice department doesn't even like the justice department. Did you read the Roger Stone news? I didn't read it, but I, I know about it. I saw the Trump tweets. I saw the prosecutors resigned. Yes. Go on. Right. So context for those of you that have not read it, Roger Stone was found guilty. He was convicted in November of obstructing Congress and witness tampering. Roger Stone is known to align himself with white supremacists. He's also known to align himself with President Trump. He's done a lot of work on his behalf. He's been an advisor. He's been a friend to Donald Trump since the 1980s and, and, and was one of the key figures in his 2016 campaign um, that got him elected. So he did some things that were illegal. And so he was prosecuted, he was convicted, and now we're at the sentencing phase. And so there's four prosecutors that are handling the case that went ahead and made a sentencing recommendation of between seven to nine years, which legally was within the, the, the range that they, 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 they could recommend. This wasn't something that was an anomaly or something that was outrageous. This, is, this was within the range for the crimes he was convicted of. Um, 
Donald Trump has made it clear that he doesn't believe Roger Stone did anything wrong because he's his friend and that's what Donald Trump believes. So Bill Barr and the other seniors in the Justice Department stepped in and said, no, 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 no. Um, that's not an appropriate penalty for Stone. And so the Justice Department is arguing with the Justice Department. That led to four career prosecutors that were handling the case against Roger Stone completely withdrawing from the legal proceedings. One of them quit his job completely. He said, I don't even want to work for the fucking Justice, Justice Department anymore. I don't want my name associated with any of this. Um, you know, and, and, and then we get Bill Barr on, I, I, I want to say it's ABC. It could have been NBC, but he did an interview and the interview was supposed to be about how appropriate it is for him to intervene um, and, and, and override the sentencing recommendation made by the people that were handling the case. And that's what the interview was supposed to be about. They asked them everything except for how appropriate was it for you to intervene in this case. And so, you know, anyway, it led to Bill Barr saying, you know, I wish Donald Trump would quit tweeting. It makes my job almost impossible, which I read as I'm doing your work for you. Can you please just keep it down? Any thoughts on the state of our union, Nick, as it stands, because it looks to be, and we all know it's, it's a mess. It's bizarro world. It's fourth turning stuff. I can imagine people in law school, young people in law school looking at this and just shaking their head. Like what in the fuck are we doing? Should I be, should I, should I not be surprised anymore, Nick? I know I, well, I, I, it upsets me every week, every week it gets no. more outrageous. I mean, you shouldn't be surprised, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't be upset. Um, look, it's very dangerous. You just had the impeachment trial, um, which was sort of a, a, a bipartisan sham on both sides, but yep. highlighted an issue that we um, sort of knew was going on uh, among administrations, and past and present, uh, but sort of now was grasped onto to, to bring an impeachment trial. But... Um, nonetheless, is very dangerous, right? Hold, withholding aid to an ally for political favors, um, dangerous, right? What I view, though, as more dangerous and what upsets me more than that even is um, the use of like bullying and hmm. power to hmm. then um, quell further dissent, right? Like firing hmm. people afterward that testified against you. Um, like that's very dangerous. Right. Um, and, and so you only have people, um, around you and in your party that are loyal to you. And so there's no, um, juxtaposition of ideas and no pushback and, and, and therefore like no accountability. Right. And so, um, this week's news was more concerning to me than anything I've really seen so far, you know, everything so far has been sort of a big nothing burger to me. Um, but now we're seeing um, pretty clear how willing he is, he being President Trump, to um, outright fire and, and bully those who don't agree with him to an extent, I think, that um, we really haven't seen yet. And in that respect, I would say um, the, these impeachment proceedings, how they turned out, emboldened him to some degree. Um, that doesn't mean I don't think he's not going to win again. Right. Um, Correct. Um, and so I guess I'll just leave that there. What I wanted to say about Roger Stone, and this was to show you how bizarre of a world this is, you know, I'm not connected to the case. I don't, 
know how long he should be sentenced. I don't know how long he's going to be in prison. But what I do know is that he's already inked a deal with a newsletter publisher to do a video <laughs> sales letter. I'm um, fucking real. <laughs> right. And to send tweets and content from prison if, in fact, he has to, to serve a sentence. And so, um, you know, he's not in prison now. He's out. Right. So I know that he's like filmed the video sales letter and. Um, yeah, we'll be using his image to, to sell newsletters. And that's why it's just a, a really bizarro and, in fact, small, small world. It is indeed. Speaking to your point about why it's increasingly dangerous, um, the, the, the position that the administration is taking. Um, <laughs> there were the, 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 the four prosecutors pulling out was a big deal, right? But the bigger deal, and th- this has kind of been buried a little bit, um, was the decision to pull Jesse Liu's nomination to the Treasury Department. Um, she had been the U.S. attorney that was overseeing the Stone case, was replaced by a top bar ally, according to the Washington Post, a couple of weeks ago, and was nominate, no, nominated last month to the Treasury Department position. Um, and then that nomination was pulled. And, you know, the speculation is, it was pulled because she was slated to testify on Thursday, yesterday, which obviously would have opened up the administration and, and Ms. Liu to a whole host of questions um, regarding, you know, the breaking news that, that, you know, Barr and the Justice Department was overriding the four prosecutor sentencing recommendation. And again, that speaks to your point about why it's a slippery slope. Um, and it is something that I think, I don't care what political party you align yourself with, or if you align yourself with a political party, we should all be paying attention to stuff like this. Cause this, this, it, it's, it, it, it is very dangerous. Dangerous was a good word, Nick. Well, thanks. I do words sometimes. <laughs> Let's talk uranium. We haven't even talked uranium while we're on president Trump. Um, president Trump has requested one and a half billion dollars us over 10 years to establish a United States uranium reserve. That is a first step from everybody that I've spoken with. They have told me, we believe this is just a first step. Um, I, I, I've spoken with Amir Adnani from UEC. I spoke with, uh, I spoke with Curtis Moore from Energy Fuels and, and they're all encouraged. They believe there's more news um, to follow. This is a request. This hasn't been um, appropriated yet. So this is a request that will require um, partisan support, but they believe they have it. Um, this could be a very big catalyst for the uranium space, a, a space that has made fools out of people much smarter than myself who have called for bull markets. You know, I've been at it for a year and a half um, because it seems like one of the most compelling risk reward propositions out there. And yet every month, it seems like we, you know, it's one step forward, two steps back. It's been like that for a lot of people for five or six years. This seems to have some meat on the bone and it seems like there's more coming. I'd love to hear your thoughts, Nick. Um, well, it's made a fool out of me. First of all, I've lost a lot of money in <laughs> uh, fission, fission uranium particularly, which I, I yeah. sold in the le- a letter a couple of weeks ago and it held since like 2013 or something. So seven years, right? Yeah. Um, and so, yes, I think that this is the beginning of a big deal, but I don't think this itself is a big deal. Does that make sense? Um, and let me, let me, I guess, um, unpack that a little bit. So this was just a budget proposal, right? It's not, um, law, it's not concrete. It still has to be, uh, passed by Congress. And so, um, it's obviously a step in the right direction. It clearly shows that 
Um, Trump is supportive of um, the uranium cause and the reasons why the, the Section 232 petition was filed with the Commerce Department. But I'm still looking for something a bit more concrete, either this budget thing to get passed uh, and or implemented, or I'd really like like some 232 closure, which we still haven't gotten. Um, I think that would go a very long way um, to helping the uranium market because the response, as I saw it, uh, was a bit muted. It was muted it was. both in, in the response of the the spot price, which actually I think went down a couple of cents before coming back up a couple of cents, but nonetheless still was below $25 a pound. Um, and um, UEC had a decent um, response, but I didn't see much out of uh, like energy fuels or Zarga, certainly um, nothing like we have seen in months prior when we thought we were getting 232 news, right? And so maybe it's one of those things where the government has cried wolf on what they're going to do with uranium for so long now that the market doesn't believe it. And that's, I guess, put me in that group because like I just said, I want like some concrete action, not a proposal, right? Agreed. Agreed. Again, the people that I that, that, that I spoke with all seem to think that we should be hearing from the nuclear fuel working group, hopefully within the next couple of weeks. It seems like we say that every week. So I'm with you that it would be nice to have something a bit more concrete. Um, you know, I don't think there's any question that the United States needs to start sourcing its own uranium. We cannot be dependent on, you know, sometimes hostile allies that, 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 that are providing, um, you know, the uranium that, that, that we need. And so I think it's wise. I think that, if we look at the battery shortage that is happening in the electric vehicle space, I think, you know, that 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 shows us why it's important to have a, a, a domestic supply chain, right? Um, kind of a farm to farm to table approach. Um, Jaguar just announced it's going to stop making its I-Pace electric SUV for a week because they have a battery shortage at supplier LG Chem. And so, you know, this has a this is going to set back a lot of companies that are now chasing Tesla, trying to get ahead of the curve, and frankly, doing it behind the eight ball because they don't have the scale, the supply, um, and the data that a company like Tesla has. So um, it's interesting. I think the trend is is clear. I see the direction of it, but yeah, I'm with you. I, I would like to see a little bit more um, concrete action and and actual stuff signed into law before we start um, patting ourselves on the back, right? And let me just parrot the um, original uranium bug and the original rare earth bug, Mr. Jim Dines, who um, happens to be the, the featured interviewee in the, the February issue of Hard Asset Digest and talked uh, both about um, uranium and PGMs and rare earths. And I can just relay a couple of the things that um, he said. One is, you know, he's it upsets him, he says, to talk about rare earths um, as someone who is saying, you know, years ahead of time that um, it was going to become an issue that China was monopolizing um, the sources and the refinement um, and the patents surrounding that entire industry. Um, and that has come to bear. Um, and it's sort of a similar situation with uranium, right, where he was saying that um, Obviously, we know we're 90, 95 percent reliant on the United States, but he was saying that um, he's bullish on uranium, but doesn't see sort of the immediate term catalyst. But what he did say is that and these are sort of his bold forecasts, right, this is why he's 
why he's Jim Dines. Heck yes, right? He says, you'll see a time when the, the environmentalists are the biggest champions of, of nuclear energy. And, and he just has a way of saying it that it, that it sounds better, right? But um, and that, that's going to be true um, as well. And then, like you say, with, with batteries, um, you know, if you want to turn your uh, internal combustion fleet into um, emission-free vehicles, gosh, you're going to need uh, a supply chain of, of batteries. And as you and I have talked about for a couple of years, that includes a supply chain of mined natural resources, including lithium, including rare earths, including copper, including nickel. And so um, I look forward to everyone else figuring that out. Yeah, I think copper is one of the biggest opportunities, and I'm, I'm I'm talking just markets and 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 you know speculation. But one of the biggest opportunities that has come out of you know what this coronavirus um, issue has 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 brought out, right? I think it stunted a recovery in the copper space. That uh, for the smart speculators out there that can afford to be patient, it, it, you should be making a list of the better copper names and even the speculative ones, the explorers that are looking, the hand and metals of the world that, you know, have the potential for a big major discovery. Um, I, I, I think some of these stocks are being given away and it would behoove a lot of people <laughs> to, to, to start looking at some of those names. And we'll talk about coronavirus here in just a second because there of course are real world implications go ahead nick even even ivanhoe i mean gosh i was taking a new look at ivanhoe this mm, week i yep. haven't looked in a while for crying mm. out loud those assets are ridiculous i yep. mean like fourth largest copper asset in the world um but highest grade by like a factor of two and a half i mean just like crazy crazy copper numbers so i mean yeah there's plays out there yeah, yeah, and 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 maybe next week we'll highlight a few more. Let's talk about coronavirus. It again, you know, Dow's on its way to thirty. Gold is, you know, pushing towards sixteen hundred. Everything is awesome, um, and yet here we are. You know, there's a global total of sixty four thousand, over sixty four thousand uh, coronavirus cases. The death toll from the virus is now at least fourteen hundred. Um, that includes three people outside of mainland China. Um, we all speculated that the Chinese government was underreporting um, the initial cases that turned out to be true. And so, you know, it, it, it doesn't look like they have a firm grasp on this. I've seen some of the footage on Twitter, um, the government officials spraying, you know, entire sure. buildings and streets and office spaces and, um, they believe it. They're taking it seriously now. Um, I don't know how serious um, the rest of the world, the Western world, let me qualify that, the rest of the Western world has taken it. I know that, you know, I, I spoke with someone yesterday who said they were um, on a flight back from Hong Kong and there were only like two or three people in the entire plane. Um, but then, you know, they were on their way to San Diego and it was like a full flight, right? It was packed. So, it's uh, there seems to be a disconnect there, and obviously it's because most of the cases are in China. I understand that, I get that, but um, I I think you should be vigilant. Are you going to PDAC, Nick? I am going for the first time ever. I leave in two weeks. Should I not be going? Gosh, maybe I'll reconsider. It's not that important to me, if I'm being honest. Um, <laughs> I'm no doctor. I would talk to your doctor. I don't know. I know there's going to be people from everywhere there, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. I am not going. Um, and, 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 you know, this year is one of those years where I am not 
um, I'm not bummed out that I'm not going. I'm, I'm actually okay staying home this year. Yeah. Um, it's, it's one of those things where it's okay not to know because the story is changing daily. Um, I don't think a lot of um, experts know. They still are having questions about how long the incubation time is. The tests that they're, they're using have uh, been giving uh, false negatives. And so that has led to some uh, underreporting and underestimating in some cases. And so, um, gosh, you know, it's, it doesn't feel good to not know, but I, I just don't know. It does seem like it's not getting better. Um, I tell you that, you know, Japan had their first case this week. You got that cruise ship that has like 60 infected people on it floating out there in the, in the, uh, water, um, deaths seem to daily deaths doubled at one point this week in, in China. Um, and so, yeah, I've seen the same videos as you. I saw one video and, you know, it's tough to know. It's, it's, it's a sad state of affairs, you know, with deep fakes and propaganda yep. <laughs> and, and, and bots and 4chan and whatever it is. Right. Like I saw one video, uh, they were spraying the disinfectant, like with people in the, in the building, <laughs> in the cubicle. <laughs> yeah, man. I was like, holy shit. Anyway, it's not a laughing matter, but it does seem like, um, I'm giving it a second look, you know, I, I dismissed it a couple of weeks ago and it still hasn't killed anywhere near what influenza kills, um, every year, just in the U S we talked about that, right? 35,000 and the death to a coronavirus now called COVID-19 officially, by the way, um, has killed something like approaching 1500, but it doesn't seem like they have a handle on it yet. Agreed. Agreed. Um, go back to the markets. Charlie Munger is riled up. I know you wanted to talk about that. And obviously whenever Warren Buffett and Mr. Munger talk, I listen. Um, yeah, so I am all just, ears. I just wanted to mention it so I could post a link <laughs> really, because I want everybody to see. I mean, the guy is just so um, old that he's and so rich that he doesn't care. Right. And so I love it. I love it know, so much. My he heart just, smiles. It's irreverent, and I love irreverence, right? It's why I love yes. John Stewart in the early John Stewart days, right? Yes, yes, um, yes. He just doesn't care, and so he's talking about how the Chinese use stocks as uh, gambling, right? And says it's like it's the stupidest thing in the world how the Chinese hold <laughs> stocks, you know, just no political correctness. And he's talking about how there's, um, you know, so much excess, wretched excess in the system that it's not going to end well, and. You know, just very like guttural anecdotal things, but that have much more weight coming from someone like him. Right. And so anyway, it was a, a joy to see that. And I just wanted to make sure we mentioned it so I could post a link. I love it. I love it. I love it. Let's talk about Amazon versus Trump versus Microsoft. Here we go again. Um, and, and, and it's hard not to discuss this. It's, you know, Trump is president and he likes to meddle. And in this case, Obviously, he's got a longstanding feud with Amazon's Jeff Bezos. Um, it led to what Jeff Bezos and Amazon believe, Microsoft being awarded a multi-billion dollar, um, what's called the Joint Enterprise Defense Infrastructure Contract. And so Amazon filed a petition saying, hey, we already had contracts with the CIA. We already have the infrastructure in place. Um, how could this be? awarded to Microsoft if it wasn't political retribution from the Trump administration. A judge actually agreed uh, with Amazon's request to temporarily halt work on the contract until a decision is made on its challenge of the award, according to sealed court documents. But again, it's hard not to be alarmed as an American citizen 
when we talk on this podcast earlier on about the administration overstepping um, sentencing recommendations by its own Justice Department. It's hard to not talk about President Trump um, when now we're talking about him and the administration meddling in billion-dollar contracts that are being assigned um, and, and, and frankly, are sensitive contracts, right? These are contracts that, 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 that are supposed to set up our future infrastructure in the cloud, which, you know, is, is, is how we're going to communicate and share data, the most sensitive information. And again, we have a president who seems hell bent on making sure it's his way merits or not. We've talked a lot about merit-based opportunity and, you know, how, how, you know, certain, um, minimum requirements aren't merit-based. It's just made to make people feel good. And in this case, it just seems like, again, president Trump, is 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 putting person over policy and over merit at every step of the way, whether it's you know on the corporate scale, whether it's on the judicial side of it. Um, I could go on and on, but I, I would love to hear your thoughts about um, Microsoft versus Trump versus Amazon. <laughs> I think we need smaller military contracts. Agreed. But uh, while while we cut you know on the social security disability benefits to the people that need it most, right? Because they're balling out of control. While we go ahead and encourage um, Americans uh, to buy stocks, it's I'm insane. not. Sure, I'm not sure to what extent um, you know Trump had control solely over this decision. It seems like a pretty important decision that a lot of people would have weighed in on and 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 you know analyzed the bidding process, uh, etc. Uh, that being said, do, can I see a scenario where Trump would totally, you know, pick Microsoft over Amazon because Bezos uh, owned newspaper writes about him negatively? <laughs> Absolutely. Right. I mean, just like meddling with um, Ukraine. Right. Is it also going to be a big nothing burger politically? Absolutely. Uh, he's not going to. I think the last request I read was, you know, Bezos wanted to depose uh, Trump. Well, you know how often and common it is to depose a president like that ain't going to happen. Um, and so I don't think anything is going to come of this. And, and more interestingly to me, um, and, and now I'm going to bring in another topic that I wanted to talk about, but it ties together very nicely, is that, um, you know, there's this guy, Makan Del Rahim. He's the nation's top antitrust regulator. And he gave an mm. interview this week. Uh, to the Hollywood Reporter, which I don't think a lot of people read, but I saw it in some other stupid newsletter I read every morning. Anyway, <laughs> this guy is saying that, um, and again, the nation's top antitrust regulator, he's saying to expect a big Silicon Valley antitrust uh, case in the next couple of months. And so um, I wonder if it's going to be Amazon as well. It's interesting. It's interesting. Let's keep it to the Trumpster. Um, Trump versus Bloomberg. That's interesting to me. I am dying. We haven't talked about this off air. I'm dying to hear your thoughts. Andrew Yang just dropped out yep. of, you know, on, on, on the left, right? Bloomberg, we know, has got, you know, all the money to buy an election um, if, if, if that's the route that he decides to go. And it seems that's the route he's going. Um, there was a poll that was taken. I forget the organization that did it, but it was a reputable one that said Trump still looks like he gets reelected. However, the, the, the one hiccup or speed bump for him would be if he's up against Mike Bloomberg. Right. And so I'm dying to hear your thoughts. I can tell you the Twitter exchanges are really hilarious. Here's oh, Donald man. Trump's. Oh, so good. Here's the Trumpster. 
Mini Mike is a five foot four inch massive dead energy who does not want to be on the debate stage with these professional politicians. No boxes, please. He hates crazy Bernie and will, with enough money, possibly stop him. Bernie's people will go nuts. Here's Bloomberg's response. At real Donald Trump, we know many of the same people in New York. Behind your back, they laugh at you and call you a carnival barking clown. (laughs) They know you inherited a fortune and squandered it with stupid deals and incompetence. I have the record and the resources to defeat you, and I will. I am all in on this. Like, our democracy, our republic is in a sensitive place. I am not going to be able to do anything about that with my little podcast and my opinions and my thoughts. All I can do is document it. So in 50 years, when my grandchildren go back and they pull up Bizarro World episodes, they could see crazy grandpa ranting and raving about how fucking dangerous things were and say, man... He was right, but for the time being, let the record show, I am all in for Trump versus Bloomberg. I'm not voting for either of them, but I'm all in for it. The state's going to own all the media by then anyway. Uh, (laughs) uh, It's uh, it's obviously entertaining, and I got my popcorn out, and it's amazing to me. What a world, right, where we can just watch um, some of the richest and most powerful men, not only in America, but the world. Um, just oh. <laughs> bear it out like um, some white trash bitches on Twitter, right? I mean, it's amazing. <laughs> Did you see where they asked Bloomberg, you know, do you think it's appropriate for two billionaires to be um, in a standoff for the presidency? And he said, who's the second one? <laughs> Again, that's a flex and I am all here for it because I actually believe that that Mike Bloomberg is 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 the one person that really really genuinely gets under Trump's skin because of his wealth, because of his success as a businessman. Um, I don't believe that you know Elizabeth Warren or Bernie Sanders or even Hillary Clinton. I don't believe they get under his skin. I don't think he respects them. Right. I believe he respects Bloomberg because he respects power and he respects money. And again, I'm all here for it. Um, let's see how it turns out. It's interesting. I would love to see it. Of course, it's a shame that the Democrats are willing to sell out their entire uh, party and and go to what is looking like um, anything uh, to uh, stop uh, Bernie, uh, uh, anything to stop Bernie and a contested convention <laughs> to get Bloomberg in there. That to me is not appealing, but um, I'd love to see it. It's not it's not it's not appealing at all. And um, yeah, the left should be ashamed of itself. <laughs> It's why the young people in that party are all pointing at the old guard and saying, your time is up soon. We're not doing it your way. We don't care to consult with you. We don't care to follow your lead. Um, you should be replaced. I saw some things that AOC said about um, the DNC head and everything that went on in Iowa. She was spot on about it. Um, and, and several other people that aren't as polarizing have spoken out about it. All tend to be younger all tend to be millennials or or the next generation that that I think are going to lead, you know, this country out of it. On the right, very few people have stepped um, you know, out of line other than Mitt Romney and I think he did it for his own reasons. I thought it was the right call, but it's going to be an interesting election um more so than 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 usual, but yeah, it's a it's a bizarre world. That's all I got to say, but I'm here for it. I'm 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 ready for it.
So good. Even AOC getting contested, right? We're C. I'm ready for fireworks. I love it by MCC. And I like Michelle Caruso Cabrera. She's got a great background. She's got a great story. Um, I, I, I look forward to that debate. I think both are uh, intelligent and qualified and passionate. And uh, yeah, nothing like two strong women um, that are intelligent uh, fighting for their constituents, right? Like it. Good stuff. Let's, uh, let's bring it back to exploration. We talked about um, speculators coming back into space a little bit at a time, companies being able to raise more money than they intended to at higher prices. Um, that's all translating into what I believe is going to be the next exploration rush. I think we are, just like I believe we're in the first inning of a gold bull market, I think we're at the very, very start of of some incredible discoveries that we'll get in the next couple of years. I see companies finally getting out there and doing what we wrote checks for for them to do, which is explore, right? I I, I can't name less than 10 companies off the top of my mind that I've written a check for in the past three years thinking they were going to use that money to go drill some holes and they drill one or they drill two and the rest of it is care and maintenance. And man, has that, has that been a thorn on my side for a lot of portfolio companies that, that I've, I've, I've speculated in? Um, but now it's starting to turn, right? The Hannons of the world, um, a couple of other names that I don't want to put out yet, but it's, it's, it's a, I think it's going to be a golden time for exploration once again. What do you think, Nick? Well, hopefully the rocks cooperate, right? I mean, I haven't mm. really been around long enough to be a part of any discovery success stories. I've sort of have had success catching, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, like trends, I guess, in the in the lithium thing. And then I've had success with like um, development stories and things where I could like see the asset clearly. But I don't think I've had that. Um, oh, shit, we just made a discovery type success. So um, one, uh, like you, I'm, I'm in a lot of those deals and I'm starting to see um, a lot more of the money actually go into the ground, which is uh, exciting. I have um, seen a lot of holes come back empty and I've seen a lot of smoke. So I'm ready to I'm ready for the fire is all I can say. Yeah, let me give you people a couple of uh, names for you to do some due diligence on. Names that, that I like, names that I think have a good shot at a meaningful discovery. Hannon Metals, I, we talked earlier about Hannon. They just increased its position um, in what they're calling San Martin to 600 square kilometers. We should see drilling there in the summer. I can tell you from conversations publicly and privately that I've had with the team over there, they are overwhelmed by the amount of interest from the majors um, that basically got scooped by that land package. And now they're out there seeing, um, you know, firsthand boots on the ground, uh, seeing what is out there and following closely. So I think Hannon Metals is is a company to look out for. Another one, you mentioned it, Mill Rock Resources, right? I think that, you know, they, they, they're drilling here soon, I believe early March, right next to Northern Stars Pogo Mine. Um, the very first uh, target they're drilling is adjacent. It borders the Pogo mine, a new discovery out there. And so, you know, again, huge land package could be the beginning of a, of, of a new gold camp up there. Great jurisdiction. The company's got money. The partner company's got money and um, a lot of upside for shareholders. You know, they, they, they didn't give away the, 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 the entire land package. They're retaining 40% of it. Um, with an option to be diluted a little further down, but only if it goes to production. So those are two names, uh, Mill Rock Resources, Hannon Metals. One trades at 14 cents, the other at 22. If either are successful, you can expect that to not last very long.
I agree with that. I like it. Any names that you believe people should be looking at, Mr. Nick? Oh, man. I'm just, I pulled up my list here because I knew you were going to ask. <laughs> so we haven't mentioned uh, Palomina in a little bit, and I know they got mm. their, their, their Dia also down there in uh, Peru, and I know Andrew Thompson is excited about his land package and finding the source of this modern-day gold rush, and they're going to be drilling. I own a bit of Palomina. Um, as well. That is might be one to take a look at. I'm just scrolling down my list here. Um, goodness. Um, uh, what do I want to talk about? Let me see. Magna Gold, I don't think we mentioned in a couple of weeks. Keep an eye on Magna. Yep. Very active behind the scenes, M&A space, the whole thing. Yep. And then, you know, one I don't think I've mentioned at all is, um, and we talk about Idaho a lot with Revival and Midas, but Integra had some very good drill results out in the in the past couple of weeks. And, and George Salamis obviously knows how to, to get it done. That stock has treated me well. They financed that thing. I'm starting to sound like Rick Rule. I don't have a stinking Wharton in that thing. That's why I got my damn shares still. And so anyway, um, Integra's one to take a look at. I like it. I like it. Well, we talked Trump. We talked the White House wanting Americans to buy more stocks because the market needs the help, I guess. <laughs> uh, we talked about gold, cryptos, Bill Barr, explorers exploring, coronavirus, anything that we left out. Oh, here's one. This this just broke. Michael Avenatti has been found guilty. And so, you know, he basically, for those of you not familiar, he was the attorney for Stormy Daniels. Um, ah, president of porn star and an attorney walk into a bar, right? <laughs> Who comes out clean? The porn star. 20 years is what they're talking about. They, 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 he's, he's been found guilty of extorting Nike, um, attempting to extort or yeah, attempting to extort Nike. And so, you know, up to 20 years, what will he get? I don't know, but I don't believe that Bill Barr or President Trump will be stepping in the way they did for Roger Stone. I, I, I may be proven wrong. Let's wait and see. But yeah, I, I thought that was worth mentioning. I love that out of that, um, you know, <laughs> of those three, Stormy Daniels is the one getting in least trouble. Uh, you beat me to it. Yeah, I don't think he's going to get a shortened sentence from anyone in the current administration. Agreed. Agreed. It should be interesting. Well, that's all I got. Nick, anything on your end of it? No, that's it. I hope everyone had a good Valentine's Day. Enjoy your date, Gerardo, and we'll see you next week. I appreciate it. I hope you all had a great Valentine's Day. Have a great President's Day for everybody here in the U.S. Have a great week, everybody. Be nice to each other. Do something nice for somebody. Don't be creepy about it. I'm Gerardo Del Real with Mr. Nick Hodge. This was episode 57 of Bizarro World. Have a great week, everyone. See ya.